You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 568, the sin of disrespecting your record collection, Foyle's bookshop and Kindle versus paper, and Strictly Come Dancing is on the way. Do we care? That's all coming up after the Soft Boys and I Want to Destroy You. I really love the way the apocalyptic lyrics play alongside the cheery harmonies. Yes. <laughs> from it's 1980s. Kind of where we are at the moment. Really, yes. <laughs> from 1980 and the tremendous album Underwater Moonlight, mm. The Soft Boys and I Want to Destroy You. You can't go at all wrong with Robin Hitchcock, can you, really? The genius that is. Exactly. Welcome indeed to the Parish Council. It's episode 568. I'm Terence Stackham and. 
I don't know if she's been to Edinburgh, but has she had her fringe cancelled? Let's ask <laughs> Juliet Harris. I've had a fringe all my life, and if they cancel it, we will have to start looking at my 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 head, and that's not good, I think. Although, oh. as my uh, my uh, as as a friend of mine said to me once, in a sort of reverse equivalent of a gypsy's curse, said mm. to me when we talked about changing hair, and I lost my fringe during lockdown because it got grown out. Um, Enjoy your unwrinkled forehead while you can, which is such a such a great. Um, and she uh, she pointed to her own forehead with great sadness. So so I very much enjoy that as a kind of a portent for the future. In the meantime, me and my friends remain happily united. Good morning. What would life be if we couldn't catch Juliet and the listeners on the hop <laughs> with a quick quiz? It's been too long since we did this. And I did think a few days ago, oh, we haven't had a quiz for ages, which was always deadly, isn't it? When you think things like that, I've manifested this. Sorry, everyone. Life would be empty and miserable. That's where mm. we'd be if we didn't have such things. So welcome to a quick fire quiz. And Juliet, it's pop stars birthdays. Oh, excellent. How lovely. Five popular music stars who have had birthdays <laughs> this week. And Ooh, let's okay. see if you and the listener can guess their age on their respective birthdays oh, this week. Oh, wow. Okay. Quick fire and no oh Googling. So it's right, going to be fine. like Popmaster. Five, four. Yeah, it, exactly, yeah. I may, give you, yeah. <laughs> I may give you half a point for a near miss. Right. Five okay. pop stars. Step forward into the limelight, please. Kevin Rowland of his Dex's Midnight Runners. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Right. Okay. Um, I reckon he is... 63. Oh, 69. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I mean, that's good. He'll be I, very I flattered. Exactly. Yes, there you go, Kev. Ooh, baby, do you know what that's worth? Belinda <laughs> Carlisle. Exactly. Yes, the world's favourite, the world's least in at least least at uh, pound shop employee, Belinda Carlisle. Um, I would say she is 58. 64. Oh, I'm being very nice. Six years out with both of the first two. Wow. You are being very, very kind. I'm being conservative, aren't I? Yes. I wish I was a punk rocker star. Sandy Tom. 40. Oh, very good. I'm 41. Oh, okay. Very good. Half a point scored there for certain. Three quarters of a point, in fact. (laughs) Too kind. Queen of pop, Madonna Louise Schiccone. Birthday this week. Oh, wow. Okay, I think she had a big birthday a little while ago. So I think she's 62. Not too bad. 64. Fair enough. I'm going to give you a quarter of a point there. Thank you. (laughs) Three quarters for that one. Finally, and lastly, from the Jonas Brothers popular music group, Joe Jonas. God, I mean, they're the sort of people who feel like they've been young forever, but they're probably (laughs) shockingly older than one would expect. 36. 33. I'll give oh, you a, just quarter. about give you a quarter <laughs> of a point there. So um, you, you were way out with the first two. You got three yeah. quarters of a point for Sandy, a quarter of a point for Madonna and a quarter of a point for Joe <laughs> Jonas. So you scored um, one and one quarter points out of five. I mean, that is super sore away, isn't it? My, <laughs> my apologies. I suspect everybody at home. I think for once, the listener may well have beaten you <laughs> on, on their well, shouting out. Well, it's good to give people a joke. I mean, I, I'm just terrible at ageing people and always have been. I do sometimes play this game um, if I've got a weekend guardian, for example. I try and play yeah. this if I've got a, if I've got paper in the presence of people. The birthdays game where you they have the columns where you read out the name of someone and their profession. 
Uh, and they yes. have to guess the birthday. And it's the most interesting is when people have no idea who the person is, but you still <laughs> make them guess. Yes. So, you know, so they, they, they suddenly... Leading chemical industrialist. Yes, it's, it's sort of like... The, Ray of yeah, Thornton, yes. Exactly. All, all the actors they don't know, so you yeah. say something like, I don't know, you say uh, Sarah Parrish, and people go, oh, 85? And it's like, no, that's not... <laughs> it's not that generation, I'm afraid. So, uh, so yeah, so that's a fun game to play. I'm sorry I wasn't better at it. Oh, it may fun. return in the future who knows oh man that may not be the end of that game um there was an article in your the guardian this week Mm. ostensibly about some surveys that reported that most people stop listening to new music when they reach the age of 33 perhaps worthy of a discussion but Mm. what caught my attention is a reference in this in this article um the piece has a, a large photograph of the deceased disc jockey Andrew Weatherall at mm. the top of the page. Now, I don't want to diss the memory of Mr. Weatherall, of course, but this photo is mind-boggling and a sacrilege. It's a bit crazy, yes. It shows Weatherall surrounded by his music collection, but he's sitting on the floor by what initially looks like the scene as if someone had turned a dustbin upside down over his head. But this turns out to be his record collection, CDs, vinyl, sleeves are tossed all over the place without a care. There are sleeves of this box sets of that chucked all around while the late Mr. Weatherall in his biker boots stares sort of laconically Mm. at the camera. Now, I don't care who one is, Jules. If you treat a music collection with such disrespect, you don't love music at all. I mean, certainly the chaos in your life is preventing you from having a deeply meaningful relationship with music, perhaps. Yeah, I found that that picture really weird and weirdly disrespectful towards music, physical music, as you say, particularly as you know, there are loads of records behind him filed away in a thing. It was it's just and I'm not blaming him for this. I suspect it was the idea of whoever, whichever edgy stylist put the photo together. But it is a little bit look at me, aren't I alternative, isn't it? And it's it's not. um. Yeah, I I just find it really tedious, really. I can't, I mean, occasionally, if I'm in the middle of doing things, working in my my record collection or sorting things out or putting a box together for if I'm going out or something, then there will be piles of things around sometimes. Having said that, they're not quite, even I am not quite as chaotic as that. So, um, so, and and it's the, what I find slightly alarming, and I'm quite messy, but even I find this alarming, is the sort of mix of random bits of paper and things in the middle of this, the random cardboard packets and stuff. Yeah, even I have not been that messy, so I find it a little bit alarming. I mean, I come from an era where uh, when you bought your, you know, there was only vinyl, obviously, in the 60s and 70s and so on. Um, And you you treasured it. You you would carefully take the record out, hold it by the very edges put it on your yes, player exactly. and then you would very carefully read the lyrics the inside sleeves and it was it was like a really treasured item mm. and to see all this stuff just like thrown into no and oh, it's and it's God. weird given what a great musical pioneer and musical investigator he was i find it i find it very inexplicable this i think i mean i'm sorry for the family and friends of mr weatherall that he's no longer with us but his his relationship with his uh, with his record collection is pretty horrifying or, but what or, about the... or, or, or rather the fact that he was he appeared in a photograph well perhaps, it in such that way would be the best strange. outcome i think some so young uh foolish 
uh, set photographer, designer yes, person this said, is my hey, feeling. this will be Wouldn't a laugh. Wouldn't this be super cool, actually? Yeah, this, is, yeah. this is my feeling, I think. What about this survey? I think you and I are probably exceptions, particularly you, Jules, because you're mm. in your 30s. It's very possible um, that most or many people do stop exploring new music yes. uh, sometime in their 30s. And I think, well, that so, you know. Oh, what, quite. What? I mean, I, I certainly feel that. Um, so when I do sort of quizzes and things, I certainly find that my well, my, my friend has this rule who's of a similar age to me. And I think it is brilliant. It always really makes me laugh. He when talking about how poor he is on modern pop music, he always refers to it as the Emily Sanday at the London Olympics rule, <laughs> which is if it happened before Emily Sanday appeared at the closing ceremony of the 2012 London Olympics, then he will know about it. If it happened after that point, he is far less likely to know about it. And I, I do follow similar rules. Yeah. I must admit, I thought, you know, as we discussed before, BBC Six music is usually the way in which i learn about new music the most but yes i tend to find that you know my music knowledge follows a similar route i'm extremely strong on stuff that is 90s and noughties and after that i start to become a bit patchier really i still enjoy discovering new music i still i still remember where i was about four years ago when i was driving to work and i had to pull the car over and instantly buy boys by lizzo before it had finished because sean keaveney had played it on the breakfast show and i was so so keen on it that i just couldn't bear the thought of not having it with me it doesn't happen so often now that sort of thing but I am um, maybe when you when you reach your thirties, it's not so much giving up on music. It's just the fact that that, that you have more important things in your life. Maybe mm. I don't know. You have more. You have more or serious competing, things in your life. Competing more, issues. I exactly. Suppose, yeah. uh, distracting. Distracting things, and also not helped by the fact there are limited places to access new music now. Maybe mm. Spotify and 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 iTunes. And we've talked previously about their sort of algorithms, where mm. if you play a song, then it will play you other things afterwards that it thinks you'll like. And I tend to find that most useful if I found a song, say something like Wet Leg. That that um mm. that I've really liked, then I find that quite useful because it will then play you similar things that you like, and that is almost replaced radio, really, with the exception of things like Six Music. Um, it's difficult. We don't have Top of the Pops anymore, or or anything like that, which is sort of a mainstream way. George Holland perhaps sometimes has new bands on, but um, there's it's there's not it's not so easy to discover new music now. I don't think so. So. Who knows? As you say, is it that important? I don't know. I still have bands that I enjoy. I still go and see things. I still have friends recommend things to me. But um, as we've said previously, when with so many new tracks released to streaming each week, it mm. becomes so overwhelming that it is quite easy to give up and pay your mortgage instead. Oh, I don't well. know. Coming next, old-fashioned ways of buying books and the Kindle versus paper debate, a new twist. Um, that's Romney after stealing sheep.
vocals on that and the way that that kind of sort of just swings along. The harmonies on it are great. I really like them. And they they have made a few albums which are all slightly different to the last one. That that came from their their debut album. But um the sequel was rather sort of electro pop and 80s based really so i enjoy steeding sheep and their sort of different ways of doing things and that from their debut album was genevieve i love the um yeah as you said the, the laurel canyon psychedelia 1967 yes. feel to that really enjoy yeah that. it's great an old friend of mine died this week, Christopher Foyle, who ran, well, indeed, rescued Foyle's bookshop mm, in Charing Cross Road. Indeed. Um, we met just by chance. We were both on holiday in Spain in the 1980s, hit it off, staying at the same hotel, hit it off and became friends and, and remained so uh, through the years. I oh. say he rescued Foyle's bookshop <laughs> because he inherited control in the late 90s when his eccentric aunt, Christina Foyle, died. Mm. And just um, sadly hearing about his death this week, it reminded me about what a visit to Foyle's bookshop in Christina Foyle's day. It, it, it was this is the 80s, really, and the, right. and the 90s. Sure. Absolute adventure and an exercise in <laughs> patience. Because in, in the world of Amazon and click, click, I've got a book. Yeah. In, in this was, it had a they had a three part system to buying a book. <laughs> right. You couldn't just choose a book and pay for it. If you tried to do that, some prim Woodhousian woman would shout at you and put you right. And um, <laughs> the, the, well, the process was. You had to queue at a desk and say which book you wanted. There would be a long right. queue. It was a busy bookshop. Yeah. yeah. And a, a, it was a lady. It was, all the staff were women in those days. A lady yeah. would give you a slip of paper authorising you to buy the book. And you, <laughs> you then queued a second time at a really old-fashioned wooden till where the cashier would take that slip of paper the other person had given you, take it off you and your money, and would hand you a receipt for the book which you still didn't have right you then went to a third queue where you handed over your receipt and someone went to get your book and the whole process could easily take an hour and i'm not exaggerating three long queues just to walk out with with that a book is, that, that is insane if you ever inquired whether they had a book in stock woe betide you if you didn't know the publisher because foils didn't file all their books store all their books in alphabetical <laughs> order no 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 it was they were filed in publisher order oh so, for goodness sake that's like if you went to a, a record shop to buy a yeah. record you'd have to know what label it was on exactly yeah you, you'd have to know it was on atlantic or charisma but you couldn't say mm. oh I'm, I'm looking for a particular but despite all of this there was you know, there was something really wonderful about meandering through foils in the old days but as i say jules imagine that whole process if that was the pr procedure now in an era where we get aggravated if it takes more than two clicks to buy a book on Amazon. I mean, that is just admirable and it's kind of mm. trolling, isn't it, really? That's that's <laughs> crazy. I do enjoy old fashioned bookstops, uh, bookshops still, actually. Um, there, I, I haven't been for a, a few years, but I regularly stay in a certain part of, of Suffolk. There's a village called Wesselton that has two or possibly three secondhand bookshop in it um, that all recommend each other rather sweetly. And there is sort of room room for them all and both of the two major ones have t tea making facilities that you can kind of make yourself a cup <laughs> oh, of tea whilst you 
lovely. Which is charming, isn't yeah. it? Um, the, there's a particularly good one. Um, I think it's just called Westleton Books, um, which uh, the man that runs it is, I mean, he's great. He does have a habit of, of running the shop whilst wearing a, a T-shirt and pyjama bottoms. And he's always <laughs> he's always done this. I've been going there years and this has always been how it's happened. And it's in an old converted chapel. So you sort of look around and it's fairly well ordered by and large. Um, and the best thing about this shop is the um, sophisticated intercon system that you. So there's a little room out the back where he tends to sit. And so if you want to buy a book, you have to summon the owner. And so in order to do so, there is a castor oil engine oil can with a large oh. block of wood on the top. And no. there's a sign that's written on a piece of corrugated cardboard box, which is put up, which is saying intercom system to summon attention. Please bash can with stick. And oh so you pick up the stick Lord. and you bang the can and then the chap comes out and and, and serves you. And then you and then you go on your way. There's also a corrugated cardboard sign warning people against the dangers of shoplifting and saying that if you take a book off a shelf, a bell will go off in your own head so it's oh. quite uh, it's quite a good sort of so i'm i'm not uh, opposed to slightly extraordinary ways of going to buy a book so there was a bookshop near me um the owner died i think fairly unexpectedly during the first lockdown and there had to be um it was a bookshop on uh, around the corner from me and i've been in there before and it was one of those places where it, you always felt very careful in taking a book out of a pile because it was always the it was always it was a bit like Jenga. You always got the impression <laughs> if you took the, a book out the wrong stack, the whole shop would collapse. And when this when when the owner passed away, arrangements had to be made to clear the shop. And I think they had to close the road for part of the day because they needed so many sort of vans to come along. And there were local rumours and speculation as to how many books there were in this sort of multi-storied shop. You couldn't go in most of the shop because it was so full of books that you just couldn't get anywhere. Oh. And rumours of of get you know at least i i heard the figure a hundred thousand banded around as if it was as, as as if that was a conservative estimate <laughs> there were so so many books in there that no one knows what happened to the books i suspect that they're probably they were sold in one go and uh, the equivalent of a of a, a a nation's gdp i'm not sure but um <laughs> but yeah it's it's i'm a fan of weird bookshops i'm not quite sure if i would have had the patience for a three-tier system or yeah. indeed in the and, and don't forget of course course in the non-internet days how the hell would i know the publisher of a book without exactly. going to the I know. internet it's I know. very what a very strange isn't but foils of course like you say um your, your friend going on to to make it into really quite a force the, yeah. the fantastic flagship store in charing cross which i've been to before yeah. which is really fab and then of course inevitably it was sold to waterstone it was, yes. the which is yeah. a real shame i think and um, there are still some great bookshops around uh daunt i think comes to mind mm. uh blackwells in uh in, in, in the various ones in oxford and cambridge i think it's i think it's great i mean there are still there are still you know I, i'm still a big fan of being able to go into a bookshop and particularly the ones that are sort of springing up again now there's one in hastings which is great where you can ask the owners for recommendations and they will mm. you know they will they will mm. you know, they, they will give you things that our local bookshop posts a lot on social media posts us the pile of their best sellers every week and it's mm. it's really great so i'm a huge fan of, of of the slight chaos that you get in secondhand bookshops although having said that I'm, you know, or, or, or you know, or first-hand bookshops. But having said that, I do have my limits, and I think that a three-tier queuing is probably <laughs> it. Um, 
you know, one thing that Amazon can't provide is that lovely old musty aroma you get. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's a shame because these bookshops, they're so rare these days. It's not so long ago that almost every town, perhaps even villages. uh, Mm. And uh, I wonder how uh, you and, uh, and our listeners read books now, because I was a major convert to Kindle, I I, mm. I love the convenience, the ability yes. to carry all of the works of P.G. Woodhouse, say, around with me in a tiny, thin piece of hardware. But I so miss the tactile experience of handling a book and then mm. after reading it, seeing it sit cheerily on a shelf with its yes. towels. That <laughs> over, That's a lovely over, way of putting it. <laughs> over the last few years, I've totally forsaken uh, the Kindle, despite all the convenience. Mm. And... Um, paper versions of books are now now my friends again how about you Jules are you a Kindle devotee I've never had a Kindle I have occasionally read books via um the Amazon app on my um on my my iPad which Mm. for me is big enough to to make it worth reading I find Kindles weirdly although Kindles are no smaller than some books I find them difficult Mm. to read um Mm. I have tons of books in my house I find it really difficult to get rid of them I did have to have a clear up about a year or so ago, which was pretty heartbreaking. But I still have tons of books, so it just goes to I really did have oh, too many I, books. Sorry to interrupt, but I couldn't do that. I've never got rid no, of a book in my no, life. No, I, I found it really hard, but I have limited space, and yeah. I had to make rational decisions. But anyway, so I have tons of books. I love the idea of them cheerily sitting together as pals. I will probably adopt <laughs> that now. Um, I, you know, Me and my friends lend each other books fairly regularly. Um, I really love reading books. And I, like a lot of people, I found it really hard to do during lockdown so it's really nice to have that back now and actually you say the convenience I I mean it's similar I would read more on my iPad if I was better at managing mm. it never seems to be charged and I, I would be the same with Kindles they would never be charged at any time you know uh, and and my view is I don't need to charge a book if I want to read a book I can just take yes, it off and put it in my same. bag and read it on the train so so as far as I'm concerned I find books to be infinitely more convenient than Kindle and it's a little bit like um it's a little bit like playing DJ sets on vinyl in that there's a limit as to how much vinyl one can carry. So you just need to be, mm. you need to put some planning in and some thought into what you want to play because you can't carry everything with you. And maybe you should apply the same principles to a book. Yes, it's very convenient to be able to carry your whole, like iPods, I suppose, carry your whole you know collection mm. around with you. But equally... Are we at the point where we're we're sort of mollycoddling ourselves a bit? Just make a decision about what book you want to read that day and then pick it up and take it out with you. So, so I am, and as Alex Jones once put it, the bass player from Burr, who's public persona I don't always agree with, but um, he made a good phrase once years and years ago. This was like the late 90s, early 2000s. They said, they asked, he was asked something and he said, books are the future because you can't smell the internet. And I very much agree with him. I agree with the, the, the musty sort of thing and the physical experience of handling a book. And this is why, isn't it ironic that, that you, you agree with me on this, that it's great to physically handle a book, yet the appeal of vinyl leaves you cold. And I, and I enjoy handling the vinyl for similar yeah. reasons. So, but yes, I am. Um, I agree. I, I much prefer books to kindle and i think probably always will do my stamina um has truly been tested recently because i've been reading the first two volumes of the diaries of uh, henry chips channon and Mm. um edited brilliantly by simon heffer both both are more than a 
thousand pages mm. long. So holding those that book in your lap. Yeah, it's a really testing experience. Really <laughs> I mean, it's technically a workout. This is really part of your government <laughs> recommendations for, for keep. What are you doing to keep fit? I'm reading these auto these, these biographies. Yeah. Coming up, the exceedingly endless demand for cozy TV. Mm. That's next after Blossoms. I'm wide awake, empire state of shock through my body. You can stay on bleak street, midtown, and on Broadway. I see a pink in Central Park Farm from trees of blossom The Bowery is divine in its own way from top to bottom The street fairs, Times Square's a kaleidoscope of color The skyline's my valentine, I feel like a first-time lover And so it seems it never sleeps, the subway is my haven From 42, the Brooklyn Loops and Grand Central Station love letter to New York City echoing mm. echoing my own love for America really I always hate leaving the US um th- this is a single from this year taken from their excellent album Ribbon Around the Bomb Blossoms and Ode to NYC two television shows that belong to a particular genre have been in the news in the UK this week mm. I call it the Claire Balding genre it's a world of <laughs> Coziness, buttered muffins by a warming fire. And I can imagine Claire Balding knitting cardigans while while, while watching these shows. <laughs> Nothing bad ever happens in Claire Balding world. You know, everybody is kind to each other and incredibly enthusiastic about even the most mundane occasion. And it's these television shows that I find 
inexplicable and impossible to watch. Strictly Come Dancing is about to return. If you're listening in America, this is the equivalent of Dancing with the Stars, which, by the way, is about to air season 31 in the States. Wow. But has been shifted to the Disney Plus channel. And I don't know if that's mm. promotional relegation. I'm not sure. Yes, I'm not George, sure either. What is it that captivates TV audiences each autumn? What is the appeal of this dancing show? And can you tell us who's going to win it? I mean, no, because I'm not sure who's on it this year. So I don't this know. Is I hope. Thing. Who, this is. This, I mean, I, ask you a question. Yes, who are these the people? Is, who yes. cares? This is the thing. <laughs> who cares? I mean, so so I've always quite enjoyed Strictly Come Dancing, actually. Although I go through, I go on and off whether or not I watch it. It seems to be one of those things that is just always sort of there. Um, I looking at this. Uh, I looked at the runners and riders and knew most of them this year. Actually, looking at Michael uh-huh. Hogan's guide in the Guardian, I'm sorry. That that he's put Tony Adams in 15th out of 15. We were very excited, me and my friend, when we found out he was on. He's tipped Matt Goss from Bross to win, by the way, which I think okay. is probably not a bad idea. Um, so I, I quite enjoyed it because, and particularly, actually, I had a, I re-engaged with it during lockdown in 2020. And actually, my so my, my work department have a, a WhatsApp that's meant to be about fun things, and it mostly is. Occasionally, people go, is anyone else having problems getting on email today? But most, <laughs> mostly, yeah. it's meant to be used for fun times. And we used it during the various lockdowns to mass watch TV shows together. And the sort of TV shows that we would end, that lent themselves well to people watching together via WhatsApp were these Claire Balding genre type shows. Like you say, Strictly Come Dancing, Bake Off, Britain's Best Celebrity Home Cook, run by one by a Bulls, um, uh, the Interior Design Challenge. We very much into all these kind of the sort of things that we watch together, and it was a great way of uniting people. And I think there's a great comfort in in terrible times of these programs and I think particularly Bake Off and Strictly I put them in very similar places Mm, because they mostly tend to celebrate achievement by and large and by achievement I don't necessarily mean that this person has won a Nobel Prize for dancing the tango what I mean is most people on it seem to get better most people on it are pretty likable even if you don't know who they are at the beginning by the end they come across they seem to come across very well um yes some people might argue yes it's very it's very middle class and very cozy and very kind of does this even really matter but actually in bad times sometimes a bit of escapism is is very much needed i think and and particularly when you're doing things like baking and dancing you're you're sort of you're sort of creating something, I suppose. Really, you're 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 learning how to do something. It's a. I mean, you could do this with members of the public. Would it be as good? I don't know. Probably. I, I, does it make a difference if they're celebrities or not? If most people don't know that it's someone from Casualty Dancing, so so I'm not sure. But I, you know, I. I mean, I think because the format doesn't change very much, it is easy to become tired of it, I think. I used to watch Strictly compulsively when I was younger. Every Saturday, I used to love it. And I sort of, not exactly went off it over the years, but I lost interest because it never sort of changed. But... You know, I, I I think that it's it's fairly harmless, even if it's not for you. I'm not sure it's contributing to the decline and destruction of society. Some might argue, you know, that it maybe is the is the nearest thing to Karl Marx's opiate of the masses in terms of getting people distracted from being cross about some of the terrible things that are happening at present. But I 
you know, I, I enjoy it. I, I enjoyed how it brought us all together in my work team during during the lockdown. So I'll always have a fondness for it for that. And the uh, everyone loving Bill Bailey winning and the few dissenting voices in our WhatsApp being very cheerily shushed. So um, so I am um, I quite like it, really. And I'm not sure even if you're not into it, I'm not sure it's a malignant force, really. I think it's fine to let it carry on in the background. It's the longevity, I think, that I don't understand. It feels to me, admittedly, as you say, an outsider. It's just the same shtick repeated over Mm. and over. But to be fair, that's a criticism some buffoons attribute to sport. They say, oh, well, you know, it's the same thing every week. People just running after a ball or something. And it isn't true with sports. So maybe Strictly and and Dancing with the Stars provide subtle differences each season. Uh, The other show from the Claire Balding, uh, Claire Balding world where, where... where everyone has, owns a pony and has afternoon <laughs> tea in a village tea shop. I want to live in this world. Dream. It sounds amazing. <laughs> the other, it does actually. I quite yes. Well, I, yes, I, exactly. You said this, you said this is a snide criticism, and yet you oh. talked us both into it. Yeah, no, no, I would I, no, I would love to be uh, <laughs> in a, a Claire Balding's world. Um, in the news this week is the Eurovision Song Contest, as there was a an announcement this week that seven British cities are on the shortlist to host the event in 2023, and of course there was absolutely no need to produce a shortlist. It's simply a PR thing to generate further interest mm. but um but, but despite being um another, another claire balding cardigan show i can at least relate myself to eurovision as it's a one-off event and i know they try and rinse more mm. from it by staging semi-finals and things mm. but at least the main event is only one evening and we can all entertain ourselves by by moaning at the unfair yes. judging system and how Eastern European countries all vote for each other. Um, at least it doesn't last months like Strictly, George. Well, it's true, actually. And I can see that I can see Strictly fatigue being a thing. And yes, I often enjoy Eurovision Summit semi-finals as well. And I, in recent years, I seem to become the accidental expert amongst the various friends that I watch it with. In that once I watch this, once you watch the semi-finals, you're able to give people interesting, you know, all oh, this is like this, or this is going to be like that in terms of in terms of Eurovision I think Eurovision is amazing fun I think that it's and the thing that I really like about Eurovision is that it really does bring people together across the continent there's a huge fan base for Eurovision and I, I know lots of friends who are like real experts in it that know loads that like like people that like football have an encyclopedia knowledge of it so like you know if you're interested in football you just automatically seem to learn or remember the great moments that have Mm. happened in history i know people that are like that but with eurovision that have Mm. that kind of encyclopedic knowledge and they have friends that they've met through eurovision through traveling to see finals in different countries and buying a ticket to a stadium as a fan and meeting people in bars and things it's very similar to football in that sense Mm, in terms of meeting people when (laughs) you're traveling and it's and it's really brought bonds together across europe and at in times where that has not been the case i think it's quite it's an underrated special thing actually so hooray for eurovision thanks very much for listening this week good to have you along as always very much agree and providing she doesn't go swimming in the sea at Bexhill. <laughs> if if um, we're just talking about warm and cuddly uh, television, mm. if you like warm and comforting radio of the highest mm. order, um, Juliet can provide it. 
that is very kind of you to say thank you smooth sailing this week will not unfortunately involve sailing on the seas in my local area which are uh, less sea and more sewage at the moment which you know we, we won't dwell on that but yes the, the smooth sailing virtual yacht trip every week yacht rock m-o-r a-o-r is listening classic pop all that stuff that nobody quite admits to liking but you really do secretly mm. doing that again on the radio waves the virtual ocean waves from 7 to 9 p.m this evening on sunday on noiseboxradio.com playing out with a track that back in 2010 should have been a hit single all around the world and um fans of xtc will enjoy this i think Yes, very much so. I, I new to me. It was introduced to me bizarrely by my phone software putting together some photos that I'd taken and making a little video of my boat holiday and imposing music on it, which I didn't know or didn't choose. You can change it to your own music, apparently, but I rather liked this. I wasn't familiar with it. And, you know, can I say, how hard is it to discover new music? Take some photos on your phone and maybe, maybe <laughs> then you'll get, get a new song. I don't know, but I very much enjoyed this. This is Cut Copy on Where I'm Going.
You've been listening to a Parish Council production. <laughs>